You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hi, my name is Stephen Long, and I host a show here on Rock Candy called Sacred Tension. It's about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. If you find yourself uncomfortable in your faith, or if you find yourself caught between modern science and ancient religion, or if you're curious about the journeys of others who are sorting out faith and doubt, Sacred Tension is a place where nothing is off limits. You will find conversations with pastors, cult experts, spiritual leaders, and skeptics, all discussing the ways we navigate the faiths we were given. Find Sacred Tension right here on Rock Candy and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, uh, everybody, this is Reese Roper. I'm one of the hosts here at the Pickle and Boot Shop. I just wanted to throw out a couple disclaimers about today's show. First of all, I sometimes swear. I did say the S word, and I say ass. I also say something about maybe Bob Dole going tits up. So if your kids are listening, it might be time to have a talk with them about using grown-up words. The other thing I do that I'm not very proud of is I claim to speak Spanish, which I do not at all. So... Please just forget about that part. Anyway, I hope you're doing good. I hope you like the show. We love you. Bye. this time <laughs> like good job well ladies and gentlemen you just heard reese say that he changed his name legally to herpy hancock no offense to anybody out there who struggles with that party disease but this is episode four of the pickle and boot shop diabolical brainwashing machine coming to you live this is the free content that you guys get each and every week for you cheapskates that don't want to go to our Patreon and pay. You guys will get an hour of free content, hopefully funny content, hopefully more talk hopefully. of herpes each and every week. And then if you decide, you know what, I want to check out this Patreon thing, you can maybe do a level of, of commitment to us or subscription, and then you get more content. So towards the end of this, yeah. we'll let you know, hey, this is where this uh, cuts off. And then uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, and Reese will give you all that information later, uh, then you can go over and do that. But this is our 
fourth one. And hopefully by now we're on Spotify and hopefully we're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. And hopefully we've signed that HBO deal by the time this is yeah. going live. So, uh, you know, lots of irons, lots of fire in the irons, lots of irons in the fires. And what's the term? Yeah. What's the term? Lots of fires with Jeremy Irons. Yes, that that is the term. Lots of. I just wanted to also point out that uh, we added a new feature this week, and that is that for the Patreon subscribers, I'm going to translate most or if not parts of the podcast into Spanish. And I, I do know Spanish because I live next to a family from Mexico. Oh, when I lived in Denver. Yeah. So estoy numero cuatro. There, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. And, and if you're a Patreon subscriber, he will translate two sentences in the subscription portion of the Pickle and Boot Shop diabolical brainwashing machine see so reese as we get into uh you know we've we've continued to to talk about different aspects of our lives and our bands and that's our bread and butter is our bands and and we we tend to kick off these episodes we tend to talk about things nostalgia so people can see what's behind the curtain of the christian music scene Uh and all these things hopefully as people start listening they can ask us questions hey what what was it about this what was it about that i always wanted to know about a or b or c behind the curtain and stuff and hopefully we can pull that if not pull it just rip the curtain down let people know what goes on behind the scenes know that you know everything that that happened and decisions that we made and why things were made and why t-shirts were priced the way they were priced and all that stuff we can give them that information why they were made of camel hair you know that's a very good question you guys went with the camel Uh, hair it was cheaper now we were told it felt the same as cotton but it it apparently did not and there's some some part of the Bible where John the Baptist is wearing clothing made of it, and we thought if it's good enough for him, if it's good enough for Jay Jay the Jay the Baptist, Jay the, Jay the, B. the B, Jay the B, baby. You know what? I wonder what kind of nicknames that dude had because John the Baptist, you would just be like John the Baptist. Excuse me, John the Baptist. I he just had to. I'm guessing people in that day just had to call him the Baptist. He was John the Baptist. He's the Baptist. Maybe he, maybe he's he the first here in Detroit. Steve Eiserman is like our you know our demigod for the Detroit Red Wings, and he was just the captain. You didn't call him the hockey player. It's like the captain is shorter. Yeah, he, he wasn't Steve Eiserman the captain. He was he wasn't Steve Eiserman the hockey player who wears the C on his jersey. He was just the captain. And I think so John the Baptist, I'm guessing that's what like him and all his boys kind of did. It's just like, nah, I'm, he's just the Baptist. The Baptist. He's just the Baptist. Like don't muck up the waters. He was just the okay. Baptist. Got it. Yeah. So uh so this week we've talked about how we started. We talked about naming our band. Well, okay, so the yeah. so the very first episode was just us nonsense, nonsensical. And just it seems it seems like it was only constrained to that first episode. Everything else has made perfect sense. Everything is crystal clear like mathematics. Yeah. And the first one was a little goofy, was just us fooling around trying to figure out what what's going on in our lives and and how we're going to do this podcast. And then the second one was how we started our bands. The third one 
went a little bit more into like how we named our bands and things like that. And in this one, I wanted to ask you the question, like when you started and, and, and I'll, I'll give you our insiders aspect of it. But when Five Iron, when you guys started, did you guys have mission statements? Did you have things that you wanted to fulfill like a checklist? Did, did you say, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and these are, are the rules of our band? Did you have like a kill switch? Did you say like, if blank happens, we're going to stop being a band. Like, did you have yeah. those types of things that you knew this is what we were going to do? This is what we accomplish. And then when this happens, we know that we're done. We had some of those things. I want to hear about yours. We did have a, uh, we did have a, um, a mission statement. It was very vague. Yeah. No kill switch really. Okay. So for us and the insiders, when we started, we knew, and, and people, if you've heard my interviews on like other podcasts or whatever, this, this might be old news to you. But when we started, our mission was to go into clubs and just be us, just be the insiders, uh, sing what came from the heart when we write songs, just just sing what what's on our heart. And whether that was about a breakup, whether that was about Christ, whether that was whatever, we were just going to sing from our heart. And we wanted yeah. to do that in clubs, whether that was with Mustard Plug, Suicide Machines, The Exceptions, Gangster Fun, Parka Kings, whoever, Axe Mama, whatever these great bands were from in the Detroit area. That That's all our Did thing Did you say was. Axe Mama? Axe Mama, A-K-S. Okay. Yeah, they were another local local ska band. And so all we wanted to do was like go into places and play with these bands and just have a good time. And if people started reading our lyrics and we're like, oh, there's something to these guys or they get to know us and they're like, there's something different about them, hopefully, then all would be well. And that would be like our mission field. So when we started off and we started doing like band rules, the ones that like come to mind or we had, I think we even talked about this on a past episode where we had things where like girls weren't allowed like back at the hotel with us. So, yeah. So we had these like hard and fast rules where my sister came down to like visit us in Nashville, visit me in Nashville. And like, she wasn't even allowed to come to like my hotel room because if somebody saw Sarah walk into our hotel room, oh my gosh, the lead singer of the insiders has girls in his hotel room. So we, we tried so hard to stay away from the appearance of evil so we, that we wouldn't like ruin our ministry and shoot even back then, like before social media and everything, just the way normal stuff was, we didn't want to ruin it. I can't even imagine like what it would be nowadays. So that was kind of like our mission statement. It was, it was clear cut and it was simple that this is what we're going to do. And we always told ourselves, or I always told myself, as the years pass, I don't know if this was a band rule or if this was my rule, but yeah. it, it was, if this becomes a job, I no longer want to do it. Wow. Yeah. So it I, was your job. Yeah. So like, it's one of those things that like when you're 18 years old or 19 years old and you're just screwing around with friends and you're writing music and you're just going out having a good time and you're meeting people all over the country, it's fun. And then yeah, I had told myself when it becomes a job, I am not going to do this anymore. And not necessarily to clarify that it wasn't the fact that like, a job in the sense of like, I make money off of this and I pay my bills. It was more along the lines of when I start having to make decisions based on money and not by following my heart. And yeah. that's what I meant by when it becomes a job. And that's what it did. It got to the point with the insiders where I think I mentioned previously, we got asked to play the Olympics in Sydney and we what? had, yeah, we had to like turn it. We got asked to play the Olympics in Sydney, Australia. And it turned down the super tones, the super tones turned 
heard it down there, like, well, let's go to the insider. Yeah, probably. Well, they've been there probably like Squad 5 0, Hillsong, you know, every just go down the list, Rebecca St. James. And so it eventually got to us and he was like, Well, we could we could go and we could it was to play two shows in the Olympic Village. And then Are for, you kidding? Yeah, and then no, I'm not kidding. It, this was the so deal. Cool, man. It, we we would play two shows in the Olympic Village and then we would travel around Australia and mm-hmm. we wouldn't get anything for the shows. Like they would pay for all our flights to Australia. We wouldn't get paid for shows, but we could charge for merch and whatever we made on merch, we would keep. Free trip to the Olympics. Yeah. And then in Australia. Yeah. And then we had another offer that was like, okay, well, or we could like tour with Plank Eye, or we could go do this like theater, you know, the, like this pretty decent sized like theater tour with, I believe it was Plank Eye. And we could make money and we could do this and it would be steady income, blah, blah, blah. And like, so we kind of put it to a vote and like guys were getting married, like guys were having kids, all that stuff. So yeah, we were like, well, let's do the Plank Eye. Because that's money in hand. Well, now at age 43, that money's been spent. It's gone. I don't even know what I purchased with it. So you did Plank Eye. That was the choice. Yeah, so we did Plank Eye. And so now at 43, I never played the Olympics. I don't even remember the theaters that we played with Plank Eye. All I remember is fighting with Plank Eye on tour more than having a good time. And yeah, and this Olympic thing never happened. And so that's what like... That's like a regret thing. So that was one of those things that went against that mission statement that as you needed to start making money, we started making decisions based on money is what I'm trying to get out rather than going like with your heart and just having fun. Like 18 year old insiders is a year old. It's just this this little little baby bird. We were just doing everything we could just having as much fun as we possibly could. And then Mm -hmm. we started having to make those decisions. You know, our booking agent, well, his, his income is based on what we do. Our manager, our tour manager, our merch guys, like we need to pay them. So you can't just make like stupid, like, oh yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna go around and play shows where it's five bucks a head and whoever shows up, shows up, you know, it it gets away from that. And so, yeah, you know, that the toothpaste got out of the tube real quick. The horses got out of the, whatever analogy you want to make, got out real quick and we couldn't get it back. And so that's where that the insiders became like a job and it like wasn't fun anymore. We we had to make like adult decisions on that stuff. I think getting married does that to you real quick. Like you, you're single dude and you're just like, I want like every once in a while, I want to eat a good meal. And maybe like when, when I get off tour, I want a place to put my stuff. Once you get married, you have another voice that matters just talking to you all the time. You're like, I have your priorities shift. They, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they do. I mean, I it's it's the seasons, I guess, we go through in life, you know, and it's just part of growing up. I think the great philosophers mm-hmm. Blink-182 said this is growing up um, off their critically acclaimed um, Dude Ranch CD Dude Ranch. album. Now, take, take off your pants and jacket. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember. <laughs> so um, I, I got questions for you. Yeah, hit me with them. I like answering questions. It's one of my favorite things in life. I I love taking surveys and answering questions. (laughs) I just go on the internet. Hopefully somebody will. Oh, I do. I know. Ask for a survey. Yeah, I know. If what I go type to their website, I am. I know what what <laughs> I know. I know what a Muppet character, dude. I did a what? Uh-huh. I did a what kind of Muppet character survey? Are you? You know who I got? Who did you get? I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna give you three guesses. Who you think I got? Uh, is it just Muppets or does Sesame Street also just Muppets count? Okay, just Muppets. I'm gonna say Kermit the Frog. Nope. 
Hi ho, Kermit the uh, Frog here. Fozzie Bear. No. How many guesses do I have? You left? get one more. Gonzo. No. I got. What? I got Sweetums. What? Do you know who Sweetums is? The giant thing. The giant thing that's wearing like a potato sack, who looks like an overgrown shoot. What the, the dude who plays drums? What's the dude who plays drums? Animal. Animal. Yeah, yeah. Sweetums is like a larger, like ten times larger than Animal. Animal. Like Sweetums no. is like Animal's dad. Yeah, Animal has a personality. What is the personality of Sweetums? Like what? No, no, come I, on. No, that's, that's not what cool. I got. I think you should survey. take that again. I, that's what I got in the Joe. survey was Sweetums. Take, take it again. You got to. Yeah. But hit me with your question. Like I said, I like answering them. So I, I'm just curious how how the Insiders was governed. Like what was – like mo- most bands I think have this thing where there's one guy that started the band or the singer or somebody in there – they have like a, a hierarchy. That person is in charge and the other people do things. Like I remember that Sixpence, like once they got huge, they had this huge falling out because Matt and Lee, who if I'm going to be honest, I still have a crush on. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. I watched, uh, I watched T-Bone with her and Combat Chuck and I couldn't say a single thing. Combat Chuck's a really funny guy. So he kept talking about how he had math skills. Oh. Which he probably does, but he was talking about T-Bone, same mad skills. And it was funny, and we all laughed, except I couldn't say anything because I'm stupid. Yeah, you need to anyway, just seize the moment, bro. Seize. So anyway. Uh, just swallow Matt, your tongue and start shaking. Well, so there were like th- three or four or five people in that band, and it ended up being like total disproportionate who was making the decisions who was getting paid for stuff who was because matt was writing most of the stuff so i'm sure his royalty checks were way bigger and it i think it led to that band kind of falling apart and them having to hire people to fill in as like the bass player sure the other person and yeah so there were five people in that band and by the end there were just two original members so i'm just curious like in five iron we were pretty intentional at the beginning like if we if we're not equal about everything it'll be it'll be disaster so we tried as much as possible and then this became like a burden trying to be democratic and trying to give everybody equal say i am the person in the band that fights the most with everybody else i i am that guy and it's not because i'm i'm like i want to have control it's because i like we decided this and it's like it is the thing that holds our band together so if i see anybody trying to pull something and and like cut other people out of the out of loophole or to try and cut people out of decisions or like to do something shady i get like it it just triggers something in me and then i i get in fights with people in the band i'll just be like dude we didn't vote on this let's go back we have to talk about it and i'll yell at people and yeah it's awful yeah it is awful and so like when you're just like you said when you're like young and you're like establishing like how your band works and and how all that stuff is it was the same thing with us there were most of us were like 18 years old. There's a couple people yeah. in their 20s. And then we had like some older guys that were like almost 30, like when our band started. And yeah. so we kind of did the same thing. Everybody had one vote. And okay. so it was total democratic when it when it started. But yeah. then 
Nate and I'm on Nate's side for this. Like what would happen is Nate was our drummer. Well, you and Nate, you're kind of the anchors of the insiders. You started the insiders, went like to church to together. So. Yes. I'd like to think so. And still like every incarnation of the insiders has had you two. Not, it doesn't not exist without. No, not true. He did. Really? He left for about a year on uh, and he started a church and we had Jeff from Squad 5 Uh, What's his last name? You know who I'm talking about. Arizar yeah, uh, Jeff, Jeff Azario. Azario. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff drummed for us for a while. So Nate was gone for about okay. a year and then he came back. But you are correct. Up until then, it was like, you know, Nate and I kind of started it, you know, all that stuff. And he was also in Dear Ephesus, right? Jeff was, yep. Yeah. And so... That's where we met him. We met him in Dear Ephesus in our touring with with them and Squad 5-0. Both amazing bands. Both fantastic bands. And yeah. so our like the the everybody like got a vote and did that. But the thing that I liked was Nate, there were certain things that he would just override. So if we had a decision to make, and Nate had been in other bands, and everybody in the insiders, the insiders was the first band we'd ever been in, except Kyle. So Nate and Kyle had like been in bands before. Um, everybody else like had like screwed around, or this was like the first real band that they had been in. Okay. And so Nate, like, he would always put everything to a vote, but it was almost like he would have the veto power. And so we would say, hey, do we want to do this? And everybody was like, nope. And then Nate was like, I understand that it's just like 50-50, but really this is the right thing. Like, this is what we should be doing. And then he would just do it. And so me and Nate were like usually on the same page. So everything would like go. And, you know, he was like, I think we say it was something like we need to buy a van. Like we're going to be touring. We need to buy a van. And right. like guys would be like, oh, I don't think we should buy a van. Like, I don't think we're there yet as far as money goes. And, and I don't think we should be doing that. Well, like in Nate's mind, he realizes like, okay, these guys have never done this before. They're just scared to pull the trigger. Like they're scared to be 18 years old and have a car payment that they need to meet sure. each month. So Nate would be like, but how are we going to play shows if we don't have a van? So then he'd be like, screw it. And he would get a van, <laughs> you know? So a lot of times if it dealt with stuff like that, like Nate would take it to a vote and, or we would take it to a vote. And then if it, it needed that overriding that veto or whatever, like Nate would pull that trigger and, you know, Nate it, had three votes. Nate had three votes. He was 51% of it. So that's what we did. And so we did every, everybody got a vote and then everybody got a piece of like royalties. Okay. So you split the money equally. We split the money equally. So it didn't matter that like I wrote the lyrics. We looked at it as Joe writes the lyrics, but Sang writes his trombone part. One is not greater than the other. So everybody gets yeah. an equal share. Well, the problem is that worked, that worked great. But then like we would have guys, this is what started like rubbing me wrong. So again, we're, we're growing older. We're getting married. We have yep. bills to pay. We have those things. And so then like what would happen was, you know, our trombone player would leave and like a new guy would come in and that new guy was suddenly getting one sixth of an album. Or he was getting one sixth of, you know, if we played a show for 600 bucks, he was getting a hundred dollars. Or one sixth of the albums that he didn't play on. No, that would still go to okay. the, 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 the person who was on it. Okay. That would still go to that. So for like me, again, like bills are piling up. We're having kids. I had gotten married. So you start looking at things and you're just like, well, this doesn't seem fair. Like I've been in the insiders since the very beginning. And- right. 
10 years have gone by. So it's now 2005. We're playing a show in like Akron, Ohio. We get, we get $600 for the show. And the guy who came in to play trombone for like one show is getting a hundred bucks. So like I started looking like, like that's what started driving me nuts is like, man, I've, I've put in the time I've done all this. I've done all this. And when people start to associate like the insiders fault me or not, I'm just being honest with you. I started looking at it like, well, wait a second. Like we've never had another singer. Every show the insiders have ever played. I was at it. Nobody else in the band can say that just me. Yeah. So I was like, it it doesn't make sense that like someone who just came in is making as much as I am off of everything that has like our name on it. Because for, you know, the year 2005, this guy plays guitar for us for 20 shows, or this guy plays trombone with us for 20 shows. And so for those 20 shows, like it started like not sitting right with me. And then that's where like the Uh, whole democratic thing was like, this doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be everybody gets the same amount. Like it, it was when we started, when we were the original six, six guys in the band or seven guys in the band and like moving forward. you, You and Nate, and Bo. Yeah, for like the, the Alan. In, yeah, the incarnation that like people know as far as like Motor City Ska, it was Nate on drums, Todd on percussion, and mm-hmm. then Bo on bass. Forgot Todd. Yeah, Bo on bass, Kyle on guitar, this guy named Mike on trombone, Al on I trumpet. Mike. Yep, Al on yeah. trumpet, and then me singing. So then you lost Mike at times. Yeah. Mike, Kyle. Yep. Kyle later. Yep. Todd. Yep. Who else? Al left. Then we got Bram. Al left. Yeah, that's right. So first and foremost, Al, like the first one to go was Al. So Al left, Bram came, mm-hmm. Mike left, Sang came. Yeah, that was our group for like the longest time. That was like the longest sure. group. Then Bo left, and who do we get for bass? No, Bo left later. No, Bo was still around. So then Nate left. We got Jeff, and then yeah. And that was it. And then we rode into the sunset. And then when we came back in like the next incarnation, which would have been like soundtrack to a revolution, we had like different horn players. Bo had left because he was now like the head pastor of a church. We got Miller, Miller time. And so we got him to play bass. So then he was playing bass for us. We would have Al Brown came back to replace Bram because Bram had moved to Grand Rapids and he had like a career. Uh. Al came back and then Sang was gone. So we had all sorts of different trombone players. We had Dan Spencer from the Supertones play with us. We had that's, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, we had a I mean, d- except for the Supertones. Yeah, I should have left that part out. I mean, sorry, they left me at a rest stop. Yeah, which we gotta get into. But you know, so it was from that point on, it was just like revolving doors. Did, so so we didn't we talk about the supertones making you wear a diaper? Did we talk about that on the podcast? Yeah. Okay, I forgot. Yeah. Uh never mind. And then keep going. Yeah. So it was just like that. So everyone who came in suddenly, you know, if if you played one show with us or you played a thousand shows with us, like you got your one sixth of the insiders. And I just got to the point where I'm like, dude, as, as years pass, I'm the one who's still here and everybody else is just changing up, changing up, changing up. And so it kind of started wearing on me where I was like, nah, I don't think this is right. You know, those types of things. It's fascinating to me, Joe, because I I feel like, I don't feel like the way that Five Iron has done it is perfect, but I've always kind of in my, like in, in the back of my head, I've kind of judged other bands where I've been like, oh yeah, that guy's getting all the money. That's how that band runs. Like that, you know, and bands like that break up and yeah, they stay together maybe because there's three of them or four of them and the 
other three are getting paid decent because they're doing well. And there's only four, you know, they weren't stupid enough to start a ska band. Right, exactly. Um, but that's really cool to hear that you guys were like that. I feel convicted because I've, you know, like for us, I think the only reason that we are still this, we're, we're still like this and, and ideologically it's because we've only had one of those switches or two, you know, like we switched out, Scott left, we got Sonny. And then when, uh, when Keith left, Scott came back and took his place. Right. Exactly. We never really had to go through that. We didn't have people that were just like, Hey, I got offered this really cool job. I'm going to go do it. Right. Um, we just, you know, like we got to the point where everybody's wife was like, you cannot be on tour anymore for 1100 bucks a month. We can't do it. Cause we did, you know, like we, we, same thing. We were democratic, but we all kind of assigned jobs to people. Okay. And there's not, we didn't have a manager, you know, like we, we never got to the point where we felt like it was actually we did when we reformed because we had all that Kickstarter money. Yeah. We got a manager, but we were like, we, we never felt that it was something that was worth paying for, you know, cause a manager, they kind of make sure you, you keep your shit together. You're not going to, your band's not falling apart. You're keeping your direction. Well, we were all like fairly good at that ourselves you know we yeah. didn't we didn't really drink nobody did drugs we definitely didn't drink on tour you know like there are people in the band that never drank some of us you know like we'd go to a party at home and you'd you'd have something yeah or you know like we'd go to my uncle's and we'd have a beer but there wasn't you know the stuff that most bands are worried about we were pretty good at keeping each other accountable for things and yeah same with um, us yeah so we didn't have a manager for that and then like the other stuff frank tate the guy that owned five minute walk he kind of took on himself he would book most of our shows he would you know kind of he, he acted as like a spiritual advisor to us and then we also had a pastor that had taken us under his wing so we didn't have that need for a manager and then like the business side dennis when when we found him he was the assistant manager of the weston in denver and he had a very good like business acumen he was pretty smart about those things keith is very good at just getting people energized about things and and keeping us on track you know he'd be like we need to vote about the album order we need to do this we're gonna have a band meeting and then staying out of it you know like not putting his you know his his slant on it when we we're doing that. So he kind of acted as like a road manager for us. Yeah. And then, and everybody respected Keith cause he's such a cool dude. And then me, like I felt like my job was just kind of morally to steer us back to this, like we're a democracy. Everybody counts. We have to all vote. So we'd never had a, a manager, but we ended up just kind of having jobs in that where like Dennis would be the guy that settles up with people. Keith would be the guy that uh, like makes a tour book, like with all the maps. We had to go on map quest back then. Yeah. Back like, in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But he would figure it out and he would list out, we'd have a tour book and it would be like, we're stopping at this Hardee's on this day or like, here's where the Cracker Barrel is, or this is this really cool restaurant we all love. We're going to this, we're going to have fun. We're going to do this on the day off. And it was cool. So we never had that need for it. And then, you know, like we all had other jobs. Leonor would write 
all the fan mail that came in, unless it was directly to a person, she would hand it to that person, but she would write every single person. And most of the day, she was just sitting in the bus, just writing. Oh, wow. Just writing letters to people, and then she'd mail it. And in like really great, handwritten, earnest, loving, careful letters where yeah. she would just, you know, make people feel special. I did all the merchandise. So Brad did all the the mail order stuff, but I ordered stuff, drop shift it, got all the volunteers to do all the merch at shows. And we, we all kind of function that way, which is great because we didn't make a lot of money. And then we just decided we're dividing it all equally. Dennis gave us a salary. So he gave us 18000 a year. And then you have to pay all the self-employment taxes. So it ended up being like 11000 It was exactly 11, not 11000 $1,156.66 every month. Ooh. That's what we paid ourselves. Okay. Yes, it hurts. But then we would get bonus checks. We would get bonus checks because like we named an album, our newest album ever. And every grandma going into the Bible bookstore would be like, oh, I need their newest album. And that would be it. And so you sell, you sold like three hundred thousand copies, and, and so you. I think we're still we're still getting money off of that. Just the name of that album. Oh, but yeah, I mean, like it. Same thing. Once we started getting married, so I was like the first one to get engaged, and it fell apart. Then everybody else kind of took that. And so Brad got married, Andy got married, Dennis got married, who else? Sonny got married, I think while we were still in a band. And then there were like three of us that got married afterwards. So it kept us together. But once you, you know, like once you're gone nine months a year and you're telling your wife, like, here's, here's $1,100, 56 cents. Right. No one, no, no one in their right mind is going to okay that. You know, so we got to this point where we just were like, we can't, we can't continue <laughs> because of this. Andy was going to quit was the main thing. And, and it was mostly that. And I think the other thing is that Scott had hit this, this point where he questioned his, his faith so much that he was like, I can't do this and feel good about myself. I don't, I feel like I'm lying and I need to get out of this band because it's making me crazy. I feel like I'm lying to these kids. I don't know if I believe anymore. And Andy hit that spot. And so Andy was like, I got to quit because of this. And to this day, Andy's the only one that has never missed a five iron show. He's been at every show. He is by far the best musician in our band. Wait, you've missed and a show? Yeah, I missed three. How? How does that work? I think we were on tour with you guys. What? We were out with you and Justin McRoberts. Justin McRoberts filled in for me. My grandma died, and I went to her funeral in Toledo. I oh, my yeah. gosh. I haven't thought of that in 20 years. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Okay. Yeah, I So I have missed three five-iron shows, which is uh, it's good to know that you're expendable. Right, um, right. Like at any point. Yeah, I've been, I'm I the know. only one who's who's done all of them as well. Uh, five iron shows. So, you know, like, yeah. You've done all the five I've iron shows. I've done all the five iron shows. Like, whenever the insiders <laughs> played with five iron, I was there. Yeah, it is, it is weird. And, like, the whole dynamic of it is weird. And the way you're, like, brought up or especially, like, in the punk scene when, you know, like, a lot of us had roots in the punk scene and kind of, like, those ideals and whatnot, yeah. you don't ever want to be, like, labeled, like, a sellout. And so, right. like, even breaching the topic of, like, payment and, like, money, like, any of that, like, you feel horrible talking about it. Yeah. But 
I mean, eventually that's what it becomes like. Eventually you're like, you're no longer 18, 19. Eventually you're 25 and you have a child on the way and you're like, and yeah, it's your job. Yeah. And it's your job. And you're like, this isn't, this isn't cotton and it's not fun anymore. You know, the kids are all of us. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut no, you you're off. You're good. You're good. Keep going. I would, I'm just going to say all of us, all of us who did that, everyone in five iron, at least we're all kicking ourselves for thinking that for just being like, this sucks. I didn't want to do this as a job because now all of us all the time, that's all we want. Yeah. I wish that was my job again. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I am the opposite of that. I don't, I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> I had a ton of fun. Uh, you know, we mentioned it on the Average Jerks podcast when you came on my other podcast and we talked about it. Like, yeah. there's nothing like when you guys came through Detroit, I got to get up and, and sing. What did I sing? Hope. Every new day. Every new day. So when I got up and sang that, like, there's nothing. I've talked to Leonore about this, that like we're mm-hmm. addicted to like attention. And so that attention to be able to get up on stage and like feel that and stuff like she that. is the right person in our band to talk to about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Believe me. I've had some conversations with her about it. And so, sorry, Leonore, I love you. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just like with, with, with that, where there it's, it's like an addiction that to feel that and to not have it for so long, it's like you yeah. were forced. It was like, you were forced to give up a, a habit. What's the way of putting it? It's like you, gave up an addiction that you didn't even know you had. And then five years into it, you're like, wow, I didn't realize this. And then like, let's say you guys come through town, uh, you get up on stage and you play again. You guys, you know, let me get up there on stage. As soon as you get that, we're like, you're singing in the microphone. Everyone's looking at you. They're singing along. Like you feel that rush. And I mean, I've never done heroin and, but holy smoke, the rush you get from like being up there in front of people, people knowing who you are, knowing that like people paid to come see you and this artwork yeah. that you created, it's like a rush. And so like those, like, like that whole feeling, it is so weird. I, I forget where I was going with this, but it's just so weird to like have those feelings. And you, you, you were saying that like now every single person wishes it was their job. Like, I love that. I'm so- I, I am saying that that's probably not true because meaning like nobody wants to go back on tour for nine hours, nine Absolutely months not. a year. Actually, I right now, if I didn't have kids or if I could take my kids with me, yes, I'd do it. That'd See, be I, fun I, as crap. I wouldn't. And here's the only way that I would. Mm-hmm. I get so much joy out of my job right now. Like I, I'm living my dream job. Like everybody the dozens of people that are listening to this right now that think like, oh, in a perfect world, I would be doing this. I do what I want to do. I I, I love my job. I'm a roofer. I'm so happy for and you. I, and I love it. And I do this on the side. Um, mm. If I went back and I did insiders, I would want to be pampered so bad. It would be beyond like doable. Like I would yeah. want a tour bus. I don't want to go back out in a van. I would want a tour bus. I would want to stay in nice hotels. I would want yeah. good catering. Cause at age 43, like when you're 18 spaghetti four nights a week and pizza three nights a week is doable. But at 43, Lasagna. yeah, exactly. But at 43, it doesn't cut it anymore, man. And like, I want, you know, I want meals that are like a little bit more expensive because they, you know, they're healthier and and things like yeah. this. And I want to be able to work out every day. And I want to be able to, 
you know, all these different things. I don't want to be sleeping on a bench and fighting with someone. Are you on the floor or do I get the bench this time or all that stuff? So like, that's why it just, it wouldn't work for me. I find when I was out on tour, the first time you go out on tour, like as an 18 year old, it is awesome. Yeah. Every city you go to amazing. You meet people, you're trying to show off. You're trying to create memories for those people, for yourself. You want to leave that city and you want people to go, dude, Joe Yerke is freaking hilarious. Like I got to hang out with the lead singer, the insiders. That dude is hilarious. I hope there are still people hilarious. today telling stories about me. Like that would be great. And then the next time you go out, it's like, it's a little bit less cool. And then the next time you go out, it's a little bit less cool. And then if you've gotten married, you're like, you miss your wife and you're like sick of like, you know, taking matters into your own hands, uh, in your bunk bed, thinking about your wife. And, and then it's, you know, then if you miss your kids, it's, you know, you're missing your kid. I mean, it's, it, it, with each tour that passes, it, it makes it worse and worse and worse. And so now at age 43, I still get emails. I still get like hit up on Facebook. Like, Hey, will you come to the Philippines? Hey, will you come down to Florida? Hey, will you come to South America? No, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to go to all those places and I just, I want I want you to enc- I want to encourage everybody you can get uh Cole's suppositories at uh, over the counter if you want to know what my life is like <laughs> you just go to the drugstore get one of those and shove it up a perfect stranger's ass <laughs> do that and then wait for them to crap the bed and then you clean that up <laughs> that that is your That makes me want to go back on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you're having to the yeah, I get you. I get you. Again, you just read an order from a doctor and you're like, "Oh, cool. Milk milk and molasses enema. Where am I going to get milk and molasses? Who wrote this?" And then what? you go find it. You go ask somebody and they're like, "Oh, yeah. It's in this fridge." A and milk and like, molasses. That sounds like like a yeah, milkshake. Yeah. That sounds like a meal. That sounds like a snack. You're pumping that into someone's rectum? Changes the concentration gradient, and then you just crap all that out. You know, like if you imagine what it's like when I mix milk with molasses, it's going to look like crap to start with, and then that's coming out, plus four days' worth of bowel movement. See, here's the deal. That's not better than going on tour. No, that's not. That's not. I love (laughs) Metamucil. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge supporter of Metamucil. I always tell people Mm -hmm. to drink Metamucil. It's great. So about 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, I go onto Metamucil's Facebook page and I do a haiku. I wrote a haiku on their Facebook page. You're their perfect customer, Joe. Yeah. I do a haiku and I I hit post. And within a half hour, I get a message from Metamucil. And it's this woman and she's like, this haiku is amazing. But like... It was, it was a haiku that I would do. Like it talked about pooping. It talked like it wasn't, it wasn't like nice and flowery worded. It was, it was legit. It was, it was real talk. So I did this haiku. Your stuff makes me poop. Yeah. So I did this haiku. So they, they messaged me and they're like, Hey, do you mind if we use, can we have your permission to use your haiku for our inter office, like newsletters, uh, conferences, stuff like that. I'm like, heck yeah, go ahead. And she's like, as payment, we'd like to send you a gift. So I'm like, all right. She's like, let me get your uh, your uh, address. So I give her my address. So about 
you know, whatever, four or five days later, this big box shows up in my house. And I'm like, what did, what did they send me? So I open it up. They had sent me like a canister of Metamucil. They sent, I'm sorry, they sent me two canisters of Metamucil. Oh they sent gosh. me like four boxes of these sample. It looked like um, packs of like baseball cards, but it was like samples to like give out to people. And then there was another box in there. And I, uh-huh. and I opened up that box. And at the time, now mind you, this is 12 years ago about, I open up that box and I see the Apple logo. And I'm like, what? So I opened that up. It was a Metamucil orange iPod. Aren't you with my me? name engraved on the back? Oh my gosh. Oh, putting a haiku on their Facebook page. They sent me all this Metamucil. And at the time, like that iPod, it was like, it wasn't like a shuffle. It was like a video iPod. I mean, at the time, oh those were like gosh. 350 bucks. You had me at Metamucil samples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool, like that they did that stuff. But yeah, I don't know how we got on that tangent. But yeah, nowadays I don't, I don't feel like I want to do any of that stuff. I don't, I don't want to tour anymore. I don't miss it. But you want to play shows. I want to play shows, and that was the thing when I was on tour. When I, when I got to be like 20, 21, 22, and I'm married, and I got, you know, you got that stuff, and then it's becoming a job. Yeah. Only fun that I would have would be, you know, the hour that you're on stage every night. And other than that, it was like, you're with the same guys in a van or in a tour bus. So like, you know, I always called it like the metal cylinder, like the tour bus. Like you're with those guys every single day, all day, every day. Yep. You know, I'm married at the time. I'm away from my wife. If you're meeting girls out on tour and because of like the band rules, like you can't chit, like you don't want to go down that road. So you can't chit chat with yeah. them. Really? You stay guarded. You almost act like you don't want the girls to like you, you know, so you kind of do like stupid things. Um, I remember I'm, j- I'm just going to say your name because I have a story that I, I could kick myself over. Uh, it was one of the, she's my, probably not one of our 12 listeners, probably not either. of our 12, but there was a girl, her name was Kalise. And I think you know who uh, she is. And so, I do. so Kalise, whenever the insiders used to play near Kansas City or we played within like two hours of Kansas City, Kalise would come to the show. And I'm yeah. like this young dude. I got this girlfriend at home that I, maybe even we were engaged at that point. And I didn't know how to handle myself like around Kalise. And so dude, it's, can I just insert yeah, this? Absolutely. You can it's insert anything you want, buddy. She's so beautiful that it just makes you feel stupid. Yeah. Like not, not like there's no, you don't have to be like, I had lustful feelings or any, uh, I was off track. Just she somehow, whatever genetics came together to make this woman or the hand of God, it made you feel stupid when you looked at her. Yeah. And then, and then she opened her mouth and it went beyond that. Like she was very, very, very easy on the eyes. She was, she was a very good looking girl. She had a super yep. kind heart. Like, so the first time I, I meet her, it's in Kansas city. We chit chat. We immediately like have what I would say a friendship. We hung out like the guys in the band were kind of like, uh, Hey, you got, you know, Leslie back home. And I'm like, it ain't like that. But again, like as a young man, like in my early twenties, I'm like, I'd never kind of experienced something like this where you like you're friends with a girl, but you have another girl. Like it was weird. And so I just didn't, yeah. I just didn't know how to handle it. And she was uh, so nice and so pretty and all that stuff that I did this stupid thing one night. And so one night after a show, she was like one of our biggest supporters and she was such a good friend. And like one night after a show in Kansas city, I didn't 
know how to handle myself around her. I was just, I didn't know. I was just an idiot. So I yeah. took off my shirt that was soaked with sweat. Like smart, smart move. Yeah. Like the, the type of soaked where it was like, you took your shirt off and you just dunked it in the pool and pulled it out. Like the entire thing was soaking. Yeah. And she came up to me after and she asked me a question. I don't know what she asked me. It was one of those stupid things that I didn't know what to do. And I thought she's coming up to talk to me and I'm thinking that, and, and this, if she ever listens to this, she's probably dying laughing or she still hates me. She was, she's probably like, what are you talking about? Like, I never liked you. So I was thinking like, she likes me. I don't know how to make her not like me because I don't know how to handle that. Like I am dating or I'm engaged to Leslie. I don't know how to deal with Khalees. So what I decided to do was take off my sweat soaked shirt. And she asked me this question. And the answer I gave her was I threw the shirt in her face oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so what what a perfect what a perfect like ending to a friendship and all i remember is this shirt like wrapped around her face it was as sweaty as sweaty could be that is so nasty and it like splashed on her face and she pulls it down and i remember like yeah. the look that she gave me is probably is like the look that like I can't even describe it. Like it, it seriously breaks my heart. It's embarrassing. Like this is something I've never like told anybody. And I'm telling, you know, yeah. the dozens of listeners that we're we're playing, you know, that are listening to us now. It was so embarrassing in my life. And as soon as I did it, I knew like that was the dumbest thing I've ever done because she was such a good person and so nice. But seriously. I didn't know how to deal with that. Like I didn't know how to deal with a pretty fun, smart woman as a friend. I just thought like, oh my gosh, she likes me. She wants to be with me. And I can't figure this out because I'm already dating someone and I need to end it. And I threw this shirt in her face. I'll never forget. She like pulled it off and she's like, she just like looked at me like, what's the matter with you? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And that was the last time we ever talked. I don't think she came to a show after that. Like it was like clockwork. If we played within two hours, like Kansas city, she was there. And so we always knew if we were like in this area of the Midwest, Khalees would be there. She was a great fan. Yeah. She was a good friend. And that's what I did to her. And I, and, to this and knowing day, her, it, it was probably just like out of like, I love this music. It makes me feel happy. And I love Jesus. Yes, absolutely. At my age now, or maybe she had that, the hots for you. Yeah. At, the, at my age now, looking back, dude, I read every signal wrong. And so I, I ended up doing that. So Khalees, if you ever listen to this, get a hold of me through Instagram, get a hold of me through Facebook. I apologize. I am so sorry. I was a stupid, like 17 or 17. I was a stupid, like 19, 20 year old kid. I had oh, no man. clue. I, you were a really good friend and you could have been a really good friend through these decades. I could have come to your wedding. I could have uh, sent gifts to your kids when they were born and I could have been a good friend and I screwed it all up. So I apologize, please. Ladies and gentlemen, that uh, is what you get when you listen to the Pickle and Boo podcast. It's a peek behind the curtain of 90s Christian Scott nostalgia you're basically inside the insiders yeah so Reese, like we're, we're coming to the end we're coming to the end here of the free content so you guys yeah. we're gonna be ending this first hour of free content if you want more if you want more stories deeper dives into it reese is gonna tell you right now what you can do and then after that we're going off the air but for the rest of you that are patreon subscribers it's gonna keep going so uh you can subscribe just go to 
Patreon and, and then you get all the bonus content. It's still fun and free for everyone. We just are trying to make this work for us. I'm technically unemployed right now, even though I somehow started a microphone company. But we need, we do appreciate We need your support. So go to Patreon. You can find us at Pickle and Boot Shop. You can also, you know, just help us out by listening and liking us. I think we're on Apple Podcasts by now. We're on Spotify. Buzzsprout, you can go to. Definitely we're on. We're on something called Stitcher, Pandora. That's all I've signed us up for yet. You can hit us up on Twitter at P Boot Shop. So it's capital P, capital B, Oot Shop. And that was all they had left. I kept trying to put Pickle and Boot Shop in, and I think that's been taken. I think we have some competition. But anyway, do sponsor us on Patreon if you like it. It's less than a cup of coffee a day or the price you would pay to feed an entire impoverished village. You decide what you, you want to do. If you want to be a machine gun preacher or if you want to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's up to you. Just pray about it. There are some bonuses for level, leveling up, like a theme song if you need one. You can get birthday announcements if you're celebrating a bar mitzvah. Kwanzaa, we can do a Kwanzaa greeting for you and all your family. Uh, if you've celebrated a recent divorce, we can also do that. Anything we can help with. Look us up on those things. I wanted to say thanks to our intern, Brandon Abel, for helping us out. And uh, and Bob Dole. We just Bob got Dole. we just got an application for Bob Dole. Uh, is he still alive? I don't know, man. If he's not, it's going to be real weird. <laughs> It's going to be real weird. I picked the wrong name, didn't I? <laughs> I think he's I tried to I think, think some, dead. like, old, like, very old, like, guy. You got guy. it. He's very old. He hey, may be did I pick real. Oh. He may be really old. <laughs> he may be, he may have gone tits up. <laughs> Can we say that on the podcast? Yes. Yeah. In fact, that's going to be our next t-shirt. Hey, that's from... <laughs> It's from, I just have that saying going around in my head from watching it. So I married an axe mirror. He's like, <laughs> Colonel Sanders, before he went tits up. <laughs> so Bob Dole. <laughs> uh, what else? I'm going to talk about our Patreon supporters because we have them now. And I want to thank them personally. We got Bill Shannon, Reed Young, Timothy Primo. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. I don't know how to say your name, Timothy. I'm sorry. Stephen Grigsby, One Wall Cinema, Ben Parks, John Beaver, Chris Williams, our only $10 a month supporter, and oh, Eric Chris? Stollard. Is that Chris Williams who I do cross-culture critic with? Oh, maybe. Oh, I got to check on that. And then we just got two supporters this morning. Benjamin Athletic Lewis. Athletic supporters. Yes. Someone <laughs> Perez. Oh, both those dudes did ten dollars a month. Any Jeez. Russian, any Russian women? Uh, not yet. If Good. you're listening and you are a Russian woman, please <laughs> do not hit subscribe. Us up. <laughs> oh, are you talking about my stalker? Yes. <laughs> we got to do an episode about that. <laughs> I've She's never, Polish. I've never had a stalker. I'm, I kind of feel Dude. bad. We'll get into stalking. Let's get into stalking. So, you guys, this is the end of it. If you want to hear stalking stories, this is where you go to Patreon and sign up. And that's it, because we're not getting into it. This is where it's coming to an end for the free stuff. Those of you that are Patreon subscribers, keep listening. Boot Town!
like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.